G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Coming up today on The Story. I said, Mum, I I need some talent. I need some singers. And so Mum said to me, look, I've just come back from Canberra. There was a guy that was um, busking there at the conference. He was like just singing and playing his guitar. He actually wasn't too bad. Let's try to find him and uh, maybe bring him down. Uh, His name's Steve Grace. The Story. The Story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, today we have part two of our conversation with Phil Fusco. He's sharing his life journey and how the Lord has led him on many adventures, including overseas in the secular marketplace, as well as in ministry right here in Australia. Last time we heard that Phil comes from a long line of business people and also has a ministry heritage. Today we'll pick up the story as Phil is in his early 20s and is organising an Easter event at the local shopping centre that he was asked to organise by his pastor. This is when he first came in contact with a relatively unknown Christian singer at the time named Steve Grace. Now here's more of Phil's conversation with Eric Scatterbo. And I said, Mum, I, I need some talent. I need some singers. And so Mum said to me, look, I've just come back from Canberra at what was called the National Alliance of Christian Leaders, NACL. Mm-hmm. And um, she came back and said, look, Phil, there was a guy that was um, busking there at the NACL conference. He was like just singing and playing his guitar. Um, he actually wasn't too bad. Why don't you um, – let's try to find him mm-hmm. and uh, maybe bring him down. Mm-hmm. I said, okay. So I said, well, what's his name, Mum? She said, oh, his name's Steve Grace. Oh, okay. And I said, okay, well, I'm looking for a young person and I'm looking for an older person for the older audiences. Mm-hmm. And so we found this guy called Steve Grace and he was a young guy, probably about 25, 26, something like that, long blonde hair, you know, chiseled sort of face. Um, you sort of so he had the look, mm-hmm. um, had the heart, and uh, he had these really interesting songs. He just recorded on a cassette uh, cost him $2,000, he told me, uh, huh. this little cassette which was called Young Australian Man. And he just wrote this song called Young Australian Man and, and Land of the Rock. And um, so that was Steve. And I didn't know who he was, but he was going to be my young, youthful act. And then I came, and then mum introduced me to another guy called John McDonald. I think I'm pronouncing McDonald right. And uh, he was a wonderful man from Geelong who had this very deep, rich you know, old school crooner sort of mm-hmm. voice. Yep. And I thought, well, this guy's got talent too. And and I said, so he was our older audience mm-hmm. sort of stuff. Yeah. Anyway, so this is it. So we put this program together. I emceed it, of course. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> who idea. else can pull this together? I need to emcee it. Yeah. Um, anyway, when Steve is on stage, and this is the transition now, so I'll just put this together for you. So this is like when Steve is on stage, something happened with his music. People literally down the mall of Doncaster Shopping Town, if anyone knows the mall, it's got these yeah, long yeah, malls. Been there. Mm-hmm. People were just being drawn mm-hmm. to the centre stage in front of Myers when Steve was singing. Mm. And his music resonated. He, he did something. And so mm. 
Uh, so it was all done. Everything was done and finished. Steve was staying at our house, like as as people do. These mm-hmm. people in ministry just sort of go from house to house staying with people, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's a faith walk. Mm-hmm. And Steve was staying with us at our house. And so I began to talk to Steve and said, look, Steve, I, you know, I'm young. I'm only 23, what it was, 22. And I said, look, um, I, I had this thing over me. I said, Steve, I, I said, what are you doing with your life, Steve? All of a sudden I started talking to this guy. I said, Steve, what are you doing with your life? Because he told me he was married, he had a young child, yeah. but he's telling me that he's living by faith. And I felt kind of like a little bit disturbed by this. And I said, Steve, I said, is anybody managing you? <laughs> you know what I mean? Where are you going with your life? You know? So is he kind of the, the typical creative type who's very creative but not very practical? Well, yeah. I mean, I suppose that, you know, their head's in that creative space. Yeah. And his wife, Carrie, in essence, was managing him. Oh, okay. And probably Carrie's um, father, Ross, was probably advising him as well. So it was kind of like a family thing. Yeah. And and so even me making my sort of audacious proposal, it was a step of faith for me. And it was a step of faith for Steve to consider it. And he rang Carrie and basically they said, Phil, we'd like you to manage me. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so- I did, and so I did my very first, and I just studied marketing at night school, and I did my very first marketing plan on Steve Grace. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to put all this theory into yeah. into some sort of practical product. Yeah, how did it go? Well, I mean, the thing is this, again, me, because I, I like excellence, just like I went to Centre Management to take Centre Stage, I went straight to Word Records. I arranged to meet a guy called Stan Moulton, who was the Managing Director of Word Records, and basically discussed Steve Grace and doing an album together. And Stan said to me, Phil, he literally said to me, Phil, a lot of artists come to us wanting us to get behind them. He says, we've decided we're going to back Steve Grace. And he said, one of the reasons is, is the fact is that you're managing him. Hmm. He says, we, from a business point of view in the ministry, know that unless an artist tours and has the discipline to tour, we won't be able to sell tickets and Mm -hmm. sell merchandise. Mm Uh, to run our ministry in, in that sort of sense. And so there was a practical side to running a ministry. Mm-hmm. I suppose Paul had his tents. He was making tents mm-hmm. to underwrite his ministry. Yep. So this is a ministry, unless you earn some money, um, you know what I mean? You can't pay the bills, you can't pay salary. So there's a practical side. So they said, we we feel that you'll be able to manage Steve. Not to say that Steve was unmanageable, but it was a principle that I think they'd been burnt with other artists. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so I think it gave him courage that I was a local boy. I seemed to look like they could trust me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I spoke, you know, with forked tongue, like I spoke, you know, <laughs> with sincerity, as <laughs> yeah. um, whatever. And um, and so they said, we're going to create a new label called Triune, which will be basically Word's first Australian label to launch just Australian Christian product, and Steve's album will be the first one. So that all came together. And before I so dwell on that project, um, the lesson that I picked up just for those sort of following the journey is I really believe the Lord led me to Steve because I learnt the first step of humbling myself to serve the church and the youth group to do that Easter concert. Mm. And it became very loud and clear to me the Lord trusted me with doing that and then said, okay, Phil, now I take you to the next step. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's what happened. And so with Steve, as those that know the story, I mean, the album was called Children of the Western World. It went on to become a gold-selling album, wow. um, quite a big hit at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, the album was made for $40,000, which, you know, back in those days was – it wasn't overexpensive, but it wasn't cheap either mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. us. And the Lord brought people around that project beyond anyone's ability. I think 
Um, there are a couple of themes that I picked up later in life that uh, if you're in the purposes of God, you'll be in the power of God. Mm. And so when you're in the flow, things start to happen. Mm. And uh, if things aren't happening, you sometimes have to sort of say, okay, maybe I shouldn't tempt God or preempt something, just wait for the leading. There's a, there's a, there's a time to step out in faith, mm. and there's a time that you can see things aren't quite working. Maybe I need mm. to take a step back and just yeah. put it before the Lord. Um, but once we were in the flow, uh, the Lord just brought people around us. What happened is that we needed to put a band together, a group, to record the album, and uh, – one person had a contact with a guy called B. Bertles, and B. Bertle was the left-hand guitarist for um, Little River Band. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, in those times, in the late 70s, early 80s, most of Australia's leading music artists in the secular world, quite a few of them became Christians. And mm-hmm. when they became Christians, they left the music industry thinking that it was of the devil, and they didn't quite understand how to place their talent, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So they went into what I called the wilderness. These are my words. They were all in the wilderness, so at least for five years. Um, so B. Bertles comes out of the wilderness, meets Steve. We went to his house down in Malvern, beautiful house. And uh, basically B. Bertles uh, went on to produce the album, Children of the Western oh, World. Okay. And from B. Bertles, he brought in all these other talents. He brought in David Moyes from Air Supply. Oh, wow. David was the lead guitarist for Air Supply. Mm. He also was in the wilderness a little bit, as I understood it. Mm. Uh, and he came out to come around what we called the Steve Grace Band. And then B. brought in... George McArdle, mm-hmm. which was the yep. bass guitarist from LRB. Yep. Yep. Um, and then there was another a drummer from Perth. I can't remember his name right now. But all these guys were at the top of their game. And the drummer had just won Best Drummer of the Year oh, in the Australian okay. music industry. Mm-hmm. Like, and then B. Bertles brought in John Farnham's backup singers. We went to Metropolis in South Melbourne, did the final mix. We went to Sing Sing in Richmond with Joe Camilleri to record the album, um, but did the final mix down at Metropolis where Farnham does his album in Studio 3. Like, it was just... It was an amazing journey, yeah. and so we had this inaugural Australian Christian album with a unique Australian person called Steve Grace that could write the words. He was a poet, but he was also a composer, mm. and he was pretty much, as you can imagine, folk singers and so on. He had this blend of country rock, I suppose, in some of his music and what have you. But Children of the Western World you know, it was a great success. Had a bit of a, a LRB feel to it because of Beeb's influence, like a high production sort of feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the rest is sort of, you know, Christian history, I suppose. We believe in you. We will follow you with us. Big dreams for little people. You're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scadabo is once again chatting with Phil Fusco. As we just heard, Phil was Christian singer Steve Grace's first official manager and played a huge role in helping expose Steve to a larger audience. Also, it was at the time that Steve Grace made his highly successful debut album, Children of the Western World, which has since gone gold, making Steve Grace one of the most successful Australian Christian recording artists of all time. Next, we'll hear more of Phil's story as his life goes in a completely new direction. All that and more is coming up when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 
Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. Today our guest is once again Phil Fusco. Before the break, we heard how he became Christian singer Steve Grace's manager when he was only in his 20s. Next, Phil's life changes direction as he goes in the advertising industry. Also, he helps create Australia's branch of the International Christian Chamber of Commerce, otherwise known as the ICCC. Phil's chatting with Eric Scatterbo. So next, I'm expecting you to say, and then I went on to manage Steve for the next 20 years or so, but we know that that's not the way you went. You went in another direction and end up in Dubai. So how did that all come about? Yeah, well, Dubai came a little bit later, but I'll I'll lead to that. So after Steve, um, a decision was made to, well, people drift apart, I suppose, for a better word. And so Steve went on to America and I stayed here and I went into the advertising industry and... (sighs) I then came, my mother again, so there's like a channel here. My mm. mother heard about, mum sees things ahead of the curve mm. and I seem to pick up the wave and ride it. It's kind of a strange thing, but mm. mum heard about this movement. Now, this is the marketplace ministry movement. Oh, okay. She heard about this organisation called, um, there, there already was the Full Gospel Businessmen's Association mm. running in Australia and in the women's circles, it was called Women's Aglow. And that was the dominant male-female Christian expression back in those days mm-hmm. in the 80s. Anyway, the International Christian Chamber of Commerce was formed out of Sweden um, in Europe by a guy called Gunnar Olsen. And Gunnar was a Swedish industrialist in a plastics industry, but he was also the European president for the Full Gospel Businessmen's Association. And he had this tremendous vision and calling to set up a chamber of commerce to help Christian business people fulfill their role in a ministry sense in the community, in the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so mum had heard this, and I got exposed to the early thinking about this. Mum called a meeting at the law firm in Melbourne with a group called Moore's, Moore's Law Firm. Mm -hmm. And pretty much everybody who was a Christian business person in those days was invited. Um, Kimberly Smith from um, the accounting firm that was in the same building as Moore's. Yep. Um, He was my accountant at one time. Was he? (laughs) (laughs) Or his firm anyway. Well, Kim Smith was Steve Grace's accountant. Oh, really? Yeah. So we brought I brought Kim in to handle Steve's accounts in the very beginning. Oh, wow. Um, purely from this network of just yeah. Melbourne Christian people. Oh, okay. So there's a lot of history there. So yeah. we're all there at uh, Moore's Law Firm and just listening to this message of a guy called, I think it was Graham McLennan was his name, um, not to confuse it with uh, the other Graham McLennan I just mentioned. Mm. And he shared this, this calling. And so while it resonated with us, nothing germinated at that point. A year later, I was going to Europe and I'd done this course in intentional business and I was going to Spain and to do my first deal. And so I said, look, I'm going to go to um, into um, Belgium and I'm going to meet this guy on the board of ICCC. And this guy at that time was called Emile van Beckenvoort. Mm-hmm. And he was a professor in the universities in, uh, in Belgium. And uh, anyway, so I went and saw Emile and uh, who was one of the founding directors of ICCC. And Emile said to me, Phil, you've come all this way to meet me, to ask me and find out about ICCC. He said, the Lord is talking to you. You ought to go back to Australia and set it up. Hmm. So I thought, oh, that's interesting. So I went back with a mission and a purpose and uh, basically sat down with the burden because now I'm thinking to myself, okay, this is an interesting one now. So I'm not longer just doing um, 
<laughs> doing a youth group Easter concert at Doncaster <laughs> shopping <laughs> and, and then suddenly you're setting Steve up, Grace now yeah you're setting up the International Christian Chamber of yeah, Commerce now, you know, now it's Thunderbirds are go you know, like, yeah, it's like wow. where does this go now yeah. so um, I sat there and prayed I asked a good friend of mine Tony Rule a great great friend of mine his father Brian Rule mm-hmm. I met them in church I went to Blackburn Baptist Church in my 20s I talked earlier about how you find your own way I found myself back into the Baptist Church and mm-hmm. went to Blackburn Baptist Church which then became Crossway, mm-hmm. yep. as we know yep. now, next to World Vision there. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the Rule family is great, great entrepreneur, business family and Christians, and uh, they hired me as a marketing contractor to basically do all their marketing for a project they did. And uh, Tony Rule became a good friend of mine, uh, Brian's son, and uh, Melissa, his wife, uh, Melissa Rule, all good family friends, and uh, even Melissa's father knew my mother when they were young and born and things like that. It's a lot of history there. And uh, anyway, so Tony and I got together and tried to work out what are we going to do to launch ICCC. And uh, I decided to, I had contacts. I joined the Australian Marketing Institute, if you can bear with me, during my 20s. And I found myself on the, the council of the AMI, which is the peak body for marketing in Australia. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was the youngest guy at that time to be on that body, which was a great honour. And it was where I was trying to discover my marketing talents and look for opportunities. Um, but it basically, part of my role, just bear with me as I crisscross a couple of things here because it also dubs in together. Um, mm-hmm. When okay. I was with the Australian Marketing Institute, they had carried a 60-year-old debt and myself and a guy called George Norris, a wonderful man that was a bit of a mentor to me. Uh, those in Melbourne will know him, had his own radio program for years, maybe still does. He's a great uh, business coach and mentor. And um, he and I together sort of devised, we're going to have to get the AMI out of debt. So hmm. basically he raised money from Telstra and I raised money from Australia Post. Cleared the, this 60-year-old debt. Oh, wow. Um, together our our board, if you wish, then created what's known as the CPM program, the Certified Practicing Marketer program, which is now the industry benchmark. If you're a marketer in this country, you should get your CPM qualifications, mm-hmm. a bit like a CPA in accounting. Mm-hmm. And so we pioneered a lot of stuff in those days. And I'm only in my 20s, in my wow. mid-20s now, yeah. you know, 26, 27, yeah. but very much at the foreground of my industry. And I was made a fellow by the time I was 29, um, great honor as a young guy because of my contribution to the marketing industry. And uh, anyway, it was through that contact with Australia Post, I had these connections. And so when I was trying to work out how to launch ICCC, I went to Australia Post and said, can, can you guys help me? And so basically they underwrote a complete mail out for me. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, I got hold of the database of every church in Melbourne. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I'd majored in direct marketing in my marketing studies. And so very much a forerunner for digital marketing. Mm-hmm. So I, I had this ability in, in writing, in scribing things to communicate to people. So I wrote this letter and I addressed the letter to the pastors and we wrote, we did this mass mail out to 300 churches across Melbourne, all denominations, basically saying to the pastor, because I knew the spirit would be talking to somebody out there. I just didn't know who they were. And so I appealed to the pastor as a pastor shepherding his flock. Mm. You know who's in your congregation that the Lord is calling and is raising up or has a gift and talent in business. If you do, you know, send them along as your ambassador Okay, mm-hmm. to come along and to listen to this message. Well, sure enough, we had a huge turnout, like about a thousand people oh, turned wow. up. Um, again, I used the network in front of me. Mm-hmm. So, Backburn Baptist Church, um, through, um, I mentioned Brian Rule, Tony Rule, Tony Rule's wife, Melissa Rule. Her father was David Jenkins. David Jenkins was the chairman of World Vision in oh, okay. those days. Mm-hmm. And uh, David arranged for us to 
take World Vision's headquarters and use the whole ground floor foyer as a conference room. Oh, wow. And so we packed out the whole ground floor of yeah. World Vision there on, yeah. on Springvale Road. Mm-hmm. And then the board flew into Australia and addressed the audience. And out of that, the board handpicked, after meeting people one-on-one, handpicked people and raised them up and formed the first board for ICCC Australia. Mm-hmm. And then it commenced. And so I was part of that first board of ICCC in Australia as a director. Mm-hmm. Uh, the president was made who was the past or current at the time president of the Full Gospel Businessmen Association of Australia, um, a wonderful accountant, uh, management consultant, all since passed away. And uh, these are wonderful, you know, pioneers of the faith, basically. And the Lord just assembled them together. Um, Robert Palmer, who has a finance background, he was on the board, and uh, John Cromie, who had a technology background. Um, and we all came together to form the first board of ICCC Australia. And I imagine you were the youngest one on that board. Is that right? Yes, I was the youngest one on that board. Oh, wow. A mover and shaker and the youngest one. And the youngest one. And then events unfolded. So I was there for about a year. We basically pioneered it. Um, I just I mentioned the Rule family. We just launched this major project with the Rule family. And Brian Rule went on to Singapore. And Brian said to me, Phil, there's an opportunity in Indonesia. Why don't you come up here? And so this, again, is the Lord sort of leading you in this sort of journey. Mm-hmm. And um, this is like the, the third turning point, if you wish, in my life. Mm-hmm. So here I am now. I'm at the top end of my 20s. I'm punching way above my weight mm-hmm. and, and filling in the gaps as I go. My mother always told me when I was a young man, don't be afraid to visualize what you want to become or be. As time unfolds, you will grow into and fill that void, that space to become what you feel led to be. And so I was never afraid. My parents never always encouraged us to, you know, take a risk. Don't be afraid to jump in the deep end because mm-hmm. you'll learn to swim pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And it was that sort of attitude, if you wish. So I was always willing to, you know, I call it youthful idealism <laughs> as, as it yeah. is. Yeah. Um, Years later, just jumping quickly, years later, I am with the Young Entrepreneurs Organization, and we did global research on the qualities of successful entrepreneurs, and one of the qualities was ignorance. I know it sounds funny, but this is an encouragement to anyone in business or starting off that you don't have to know everything up front. Um, If you knew everything, you'd be too scared to even start. Mm. And Mm. so what we find is that entrepreneurs that make it – they just take it day at a time and they just fight every battle day by day because if you saw the battles ahead, and there's obviously a lot when you're trying to build a business mm-hmm. um, or take a risk, it can also become overpowering it, you know what I mean? And so think yeah. about God. He knows so much. Yeah. And if we had the mind of God or saw what he saw, we could not handle it. Right. That's right. a fact. Um, well, I would think that Don't faith, be afraid. Yeah, yeah, I would think that faith would be an advantage because you know you're going to have battles, but you know that if you're – Trusting in the Lord, he's going to help you overcome those battles. Absolutely correct. The walk of faith is absolutely crucial. And so they seem oversimplified, but it is that simple. Mm -hmm. So if you think about humility and faith, they're the two keys basically that can just carry you. And it's a a principle of life too. You don't have to be a Christian for these principles to apply. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, moving back to your personal story, you eventually went to Indonesia. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So here's Brian saying to me, Phil, look, there's an opportunity here. It's it's a little bit of a big step for you, but you'll never look back, he said to me. Mm. Okay. <laughs> so I thought, yeah, okay, I'm sort of, I'm just, you know, operating, you know, at a small level here. Again, if you go back to my original views as a kid about um, 
a call to be in the world, not in, you know what I mean? So yep. I didn't want to be this big fish in a small fishing bowl. I wanted to be in the world. That's how I felt led. And um, and I must admit, even before we delve into to Asia, I suppose, that after Steve's Grace album with Word Records, Stan Moulton graciously actually offered me a full-time job with them. Mm-hmm. And I seriously, and this is important because it comes back to where I am right now with the organisation I'm with, mm-hmm. um, that was a sliding door moment. And I often said to myself over the years, did I make the right decision? He literally said, Phil, he was happy, obviously. He trusted me. We'd just done this album. You know what I mean? It was all going well. Mm -hmm. He said, Phil, why don't you join Word Australia? Um, We need someone to run our books division. Um, You could travel the world, go all the book conferences, da-da-da-da. And and I thought to myself, oh, Christian organisation, you know what I mean? Small fish pond. I don't want to be a big fish in a small pond. Like my attitude was wrong. It was, Mm -hmm. again, that youthful exuberance like you sort of see yourself being something that you're not but Mm. you have to sort of start somewhere and so i i said thank you but no thank you but i will be frank over the years i often wondered whether i made the wrong decision Mm. and the fact that i'm where i am now and we'll come to that obviously soon i kind of feel like the lord's brought me full circle in many different ways so so just park that for the moment so basically the decision was full-time ministry or being a light in the darkness of the secular marketplace so to speak Yeah, well, I felt we're meant to be in the world to make a difference. Well, that was part two of Eric Scatterbo's conversation with Phil Fusco, who's sharing his eventful life journey with us. As we heard in the second half of today's conversation, Phil became involved in the marketplace ministry movement in Australia in the 1980s, and he helped create Australia's branch of the International Christian Chamber of Commerce, otherwise known as the ICCC. For more information, the ICCC's website is simply ICCC.net. Once again, that's ICCC.net. Finally, as we heard, Phil was led to be a Christian in the secular marketplace and let his light shine. As Jesus said, we are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Therefore, we have been called by God to bring light in the darkness in his name throughout our lives, wherever we may be. So it's not just for people in ministry or missionaries to represent the Christian faith, but it's for all of us in whatever profession we may be in. We can all let our light shine before men. Well, next time we'll hear how Phil's next big adventure is overseas as the Lord leads him to Asia. That's all coming up next time as Phil Fusco continues sharing his story. Until then, I'm Jimmy Colfax encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. I climbed to the top of the pyramid as a CEO. I was 35 at the time and then tipped off the top of the pyramid like everybody else in the late 90s with the Asian financial crisis. So from there I went back to Australia and then climbed my way back up and where I ended up in Dubai. From Dubai I was then offered a CEO role back in Singapore 10 years later, which I did, and then the global financial crisis came. Phil Fusco joins us once again to share more of his life journey and how the Lord has led him on many adventures, including overseas in the secular marketplace. We'll also hear how the Lord leads him back into ministry after a short stint in Australian politics. That's all coming up next time. The Story. Just another way vision is helping you look to God daily. Thanks 
for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.